0: Father God, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for undertaking for each one of us and guiding us in your truth. Father, as we open your word this this morning, Lord, we pray for your undertaking. Father in heaven, that your people would see the Lord Jesus Christ rather than myself. Father, undertake for us and guide us that we might learn of your truth. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Okay, now we've been um, going through uh, uh, these biblical realities for life and uh, one of those biblical realities that we started looking at recently was the Holy Spirit. And so a couple of weeks ago uh, we looked at Ephesians 5.18 which says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. So we said, well, you know, we, we all get... The Spirit. The Spirit comes to indwell us when we are saved. So, uh, what does this actually mean? And as we went through the Bible, we realized that uh, what it most likely means is that as we yield to God's commandments, as we yield to the Holy Spirit's convictions, then He would fill us. And then we moved on from there and we moved on to the fruit of the Spirit. And we looked at Galatians 5, to 23. And uh, we, we identified nine fruits. We identified uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And we, we, we realized um, as, we, as we read the Bible and as, as um, we looked at some of the commentators that the fruit of the Spirit... Uh, enables us to have an effective service for God. And then we thought, well, you know if we didn't have the fruit of the Spirit, what sort of what would our service for God look like? And so we, we took the opposite. We said, okay, if there was no fruit of the Spirit, in fact, if we were loveless, if we were sad, if we were nervous instead of having peace in our hearts, you know, worried about all sorts of things, if we were quick tempered, if we were unmanageable and harsh and bitter instead of gentle, we said if we, if we loved evil instead of abhorring it, if we, if we were undependable, because that word faith means faithfulness in this context. So we thought, well, if, we, if we're under, undependable and if instead of being meek, we, were, we had no submission to God and we had, we had selfishness to man, and instead of having the fruit of a spirit called temperance, if we had no self-control, if we had no discipline, we thought, well, what's that? how would our service for the Lord be? And uh, we, I think we all agreed it would, be, it would be disastrous. It would be better if we were to display these works of the flesh, which in fact they are, instead of the fruit of the spirit, then our service would be disastrous. It would, it would be better... For us, not to tell people that we're saved, if we couldn't display any of the fruits of the Spirit, and if in fact the, the the Lord had not supplied the fruits of the Spirit to us, so we see the the great importance of the fruits of the Spirit to to each Christian. So then, um, <coughs> now then we, we we had we we made a summary, and uh, as as the Holy Spirit bestows fruit on us i think we 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 linked it last time with yielding to the lord so we, we display fruit as we're filled i think that's the implication of what we looked at so as as the holy spirit bestows fruit on us as we yield to him he then influences our service and brings results from our efforts because without him the bible says we can do nothing So without the Spirit, our service would be superficial. It would be pretense. And in fact, it would probably be temporary. Now, there there does appear to be a link between filling of the Holy Spirit and yielding to Him or yielding to Him and exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. There's definitely a link. Um, One of the commentators, Warren Wisby, states, as you yield to the Spirit, Christ's life is manifest in the fruit of the Spirit. So there is definitely, definitely a link between being filled with the Spirit and uh, displaying the fruits of the Spirit. And we should aim for that. We should aim to yield our lives to Jesus so that, in fact, he, the, Lord, the, the Holy Spirit is able to use us and produce those fruits in each one of us. Now, one other thing that I thought would be good to have a look at. Now, but the fruit of the Spirit is... Is fruit singular or plural in this context? What do you think? Sorry? Plural. Plural. Okay. Why? Why? Because we have an array of fruits. We have an array of fruits. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because unfortunately it's actually singular. Because the Greek word uh, is... Um, the, the commentators tell us the Greek word is singular. I've looked at the strongs and strongs says, uh, strong's, uh, says nothing. You know, strongs is the concordance. But also, I, I have a living Greek scholar who tells me um, that the Greek word, karpos is in fact singular. If it was plural, we, if it was plural, so, that's the Greek word in the Bible, karpos. If it was plural, there'd be an I on the end, and there isn't. So, in fact, the commentators are correct. The, uh, the Greek word is singular. Now, there's a thought here. Yes, Brian? If a man or anybody says to you, they're growing fruit. Yes. it's one fruit I, one I agree i agree yep fruit uh, an yeah array of this, fruit that's plants. true that's true there was some examples which i picked up but i didn't i didn't write them down i didn't think and i should have realized someone was going to ask that question it's a good question i have no issue with the question thank you for bringing it up um, but let's let's go through a little bit because the greek word is definitely singular it's definitely singular and and we're and we're looking at the inspired word uh, from God through the apostles. Even so, fruit mm-hmm. are a singular group of fruits. Well, you could have one group of fruit, couldn't you? You could have one group of fruit. I'm not going to go Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's a, it's a, it's a good point. I'm not I'm not I'm not disputing that. But let's 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 follow it through. Now, if we read if we read fruits. Which we would all agree is plural, right? If we if we read, uh, for but the fruits of the spirit is, and we have these nine issues. If it was definitely plural, what would be our um, uh, what would be our comment about the f- about these fruits? In fact, it's exactly what John was saying. If we said f- if if it actually read fruits, if I have If I have fruits, it's it's plural, definitely. So is fruit. It's one of those splitting hair things. But if it was definitely plural, if I if I say to you, um, uh, but the fruits of the spirit are. What would be the connotation? If there were different fruits, let's, let's say, love was apples, joy was oranges, and peace was bananas. So, what, what would be the connotation of the distribution of the fruits? Yes, sister. Well, if it said fruits, it yep. means that we could have only one, nine, six, whatever. But if it says fruits, means we should have all of them. Thank together. you. Thank you, sister. That's exactly the point. That's exactly the point um, uh, I'm trying to make. And, in fact, the, the commentators are trying to make as well. The distribution would be, if it was plural, that we could... We could, only, we, we could only display one or two or three or four, not necessarily all nine. It's like if I have an apple or a banana, but I don't like pears. So it, it would be like that. Now, so a Christian, so the point then is, if it was fruits, it would, it, the connotation would be that the Christian may exhibit some, not necessarily all of the fruits. Would you agree, John? Yeah. okay. All right, so if we say, let's see. Okay. I thought I had put a piece in with a conclusion that in fact we should display them all. That, that would be the Holy Spirit's will for us, that we would in fact display them all. And if he fulfills, if he fills us, as the Bible describes, if he takes control of us, then it would be the Holy Spirit's desire that we display all of those. Not just, we might display long-suffering and, and and not faithfulness. I don't know how you could do that without one, without another anyway, but yes, Tim? I was just thinking, it's such a good analogy because uh, fruit, you know, an apple tree is always going to have apples. yes. We may not feel like we want to love mm. one another, mm. but we'll do it oh, just because the Bible says I have to, have to. Yeah. but that's not, that's not genuine no. love, that's not genuine love and suffering. That's correct, peace. yes. So it's important that of ourselves, we might be able to manifest some of these temporarily mm. but not in their true form. Mm. That's right. That's right. That's something we need to strive for. And I think as as we do that, and as we um, as we realise that it's difficult for us to do, it's a good time for us to anal- analyse our walk with the Lord, isn't it? Because if if we feel that okay, it, um, it's a little bit like pretence here, I better go back and see what I haven't yielded to the Lord. So yeah, thank you for that. All right. So I think we've we've covered that one, but uh, thank you, John, for that. And I should have been better prepared for that and written down those other examples. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> there is, there is. Okay. So what we what are going to move on to now is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we've we've done being how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, we've, we've done the fruits of the Holy Spirit and now we're going to move on to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is quite controversial and um, I'm going to go through it slowly just to make sure that we cover everything. Now, so the, fruit, the, gift, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, um, uh, some are listed in 1 Corinthians 12, to 11. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians and uh, let, I'll, I'll read... Uh, From verse 1 to verse 11. So so verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaketh by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the self same Spirit Dividing to every man severally as he will. So we can see how controversial these things are in our days. Now, before we before we look at at these gifts, <coughs> we we need to understand the situation in Corinth, and not only <coughs> for 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 these um, not only for the gifts that we agree uh, are for today, but Uh, We need to know the situation in Corinth more so for the the gifts that we're going to look at a little bit later. So, (coughs) excuse me. I'll read to you um, something out of one of the commentators which I thought was very good about the background in Corinth in the day. So, the situation in Corinth. So, this is a situation in Corinth... and and, and and one of the reasons the Apostle Paul has gone to great lengths in Corinthians to write this book. So the New Testament Corinth was filled with priests, priestesses, religious prostitutes, soothsayers and diviners of the mystery li- religions who claimed to represent a god or gods and to have supernatural powers that proved their claims. Unbelievably, some of these dramatic and bizarre practices were mimicked in the church. So you can already see the, the, the first problem. The Corinthian believers knew of the prophet Joel's prediction. So they weren't ignorant people. So the prophet Joel in Joel 2.28-29 says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, Your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. So these Corinthians, these Corinthian Christians would have known this Bible verse. They also knew that Jesus had said that the coming of the Holy Spirit would be accompanied by amazing signs and events. Mark 16, 17 to 18. Let's have a quick look at that just so you see what their mindset was. So Mark 16:17 If anybody's got it already just read it out. Anyone got it? No? Okay, all right, we'll keep going. 16 Here we go. So yep, please. Thank you, John. So you can see what they've already got in the back of their mind. There's going to be a lot of miracles. There's very exciting things happening. And, uh, you know, the, when, when um, Gary and Faith Mackay were here, I was talking to Gary and he told me that in, in, in the uh, Papua New Guinea, uh, in some villages, in, in, a, in a particular village where they minister, there is a man who has set up a house on a hill. And he's put all these idols uh, around the house and he's put himself forward as as someone who who can communicate with God. So you can imagine that on a grand scale in in Corinth when they've got all this in their background. So I'll continue reading this. Uh, They had heard perhaps firsthand from Peter of the miraculous events of Pentecost with the tongues of fire and speaking in other tongues, as described in Acts 2. We we know that one, so we won't turn there. Perhaps they were so determined to experience those wonders that they tried to manufacture them. Isn't that a typical, typical human reaction? 1 Corinthians was was, uh, one of the earliest written epistles of the New Testament. Yet even in a short period of time, Satan had begun to confuse believers About many doctrines, practices, and signs. Sorry about that. And signs. The pure water of God's truth was being muddled, and nowhere more than in Corinth. Satan began to counterfeit the gospel and its wonders in earnest, and the gullible, worldly, self-centered, thrill-seeking Corinthians with their pagan backgrounds were prime targets for his assaults. People do not counterfeit what is not, av- what is not valuable. Satan counterfeits the Spirit's gifts because he knows they are so valuable in God's plans. Remember, as we looked at the filling of the Holy Spirit, as we looked at the fruits of the Holy Spirit, These are extremely valuable in God's plans and so are the the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If Satan can get God's people to become confused about or abusive of these gifts, he can undermine and corrupt the worship and work of the church. Counterfeit gifts, whether through false manifestations or through misguided and selfish use, poison God's spiritual organism and make it weak and ineffective. One of the chief evidences of the spiritual immaturity of the Corinthian Christians was lack of discernment. If an occult practice seemed to have supernatural effect, they assumed it was of God. If a priest or soothsayer performed a miracle, they assumed it was by God's power. Like many Christians today, they believe that if something works, it must be right and good. Some of the believers, however, realised that the confusion, division and immoral practices that characterised many of the church members could not be of God. And so they asked Paul to tell them how to determine what was of the Holy Spirit and what was of some other spirit. And so, of course, we see this epistle and uh, various other epistles. So, the importance of of the spiritual gifts... So we've seen how Satan can use the gifts to confuse the church and we can see what's happened in the church over the last hundred or so years since these tongues have come in and uh, the church is in- incredibly confused. There are, there are not many churches unfortunately like ours where we consider um, that things like tongues and so forth are not for today. The, the church is very confused and if you, if you, look at, uh, if you go online at any time and Google um, uh, the laughing, re- laughing revival, or, go- or not that I'm saying you should, but I mean, it's, it's terrible what, what they're doing. All sorts of weird and, uh, and, and not wonderful things that they would do in the name of God. Of course, his message, his God's message is, is being totally confused. So let's look now at the importance of the spiritual gifts. Now, if we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 again, when Paul opens this chapter, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. So as I read what the commentators say, they're suggesting it's, it's like saying, now in the second place. So as, as Paul was teaching the Corinthians, he's saying here, now in the second place, the first place being uh, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 18 and, and, and 20 and thereabouts. If you want to have a quick look there, um, 1 Corinthians 11, this is in the first place. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there are divisions among you and I partly believe it. Down to 20, when you come together, therefore, into one place, there is, there is not to eat the Lord's Supper. It's like saying, you know... You shouldn't be eating the Lord's Supper the way you guys come together. That's what he's saying. And we know that after that, the Apostle Paul describes how we're to behave with the Lord's Supper. So that's, that's what he was saying in the first place. That was extremely important. Now he's saying, now in the second place, in the second place. So just as the Corinthians had been abusing the Lord's Supper, they had also been abusing the spiritual gifts. Paul wants to make sure the Corinthians have a clear and complete understanding of their spiritual gifts because they're so important. The spiritual gifts are the special equipment for ministry that the Holy Spirit gives in some measure to all believers. And we'll, we'll see some of that as we go through them one by one later. And these gifts are to be wholly under his control and used for glo- God's glory. Paul was deeply concerned that those brethren have a proper understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit, especially in, to, in relation to these gifts that He has given uh, the church. Now, commentators give all sorts of reasons why that demonstrate Paul's deep concern. I don't need to go into that. Suffice to say, Paul was deeply concerned with the Corinthian church that they understood these gifts. So, um, Paul uses this phrase elsewhere to introduce an exceptionally important subject. That's that's why we realise, or the commentators realise, that this is exceptionally important. Now, Paul uses it here to encourage his readers to pay close attention to this critical truth. Now, it's important today also because the church cannot function and cannot mature without properly and faithfully using the gifts God gives. F- his, people, his people for ministry, they, they, they can't function properly without these gifts. We saw, as we looked at the, um, at the fruits of the Spirit, here we go, we saw that Christians can't function, indeed, without the fruits of the Spirit. Just as Christians cannot function this way, Neither can the church function without the um, without the gifts of the Spirit. So Satan will try to counterfeit the Spirit's gifts, and he will try to induce believers to ignore them, to misunderstand them, to abuse them, and to pervert them. And of course, we've seen uh, we've seen that. So Paul's teaching here is critical. But the purpose is to edify the body. Now I'm going to read another piece from the commentator because I think it's uh, it's very succinct. So he says, All the gifts are given to the church to build up God's people into the image, um, into the image Christ its Lord, into, into Christ's image. In the book of Ephesians, Paul speaks of the specially gifted men who are given to the church for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. And we see that in Ephesians chapter 4. It, to that end, that God would equip us, he, he also um, allows Christ to indwell each believer and we've, we've seen that. And, and Christ also indwells the church, in fact, uh, in Ephesians 2.22. So God has done all these things to equip his church, to make it effective as a witnessing tool, to make it effective as an encouraging tool and effective as a teaching tool. God has equipped the church. Individuality and corporately, the church represents Christ. That's why it's so important that God equips us because we represent Christ. Spiritual gifts are the Lord's primary channel of making Christians become Christ in the world, his visible and manifest body. Mm -hmm. I mean, it becomes clearer when you think of the fruits of the Spirit. If we exhibit these, we are definitely exhibiting Christ, aren't we? It's that important. So as we go through each gift, we'll see that the that the spiritual gifts um, fulfil two major purposes. So we've got the first per- the first gift the first purpose is that the permanent gifts edify the church, and the temporary gifts are signs to confirm the word of God. I will go through that slowly as we go through each one. So God will continue to give the permanent gifts to believers for the duration of the church age and these gifts are to be ministered by his people at all times in the life of the church. So God expects us to use these gifts. So what are they? Now we read them, we read them before and uh, as I was reading the commentators, I thought now I need a, I need a, I need a succinct list so that uh, you know, I, I've got a starting point and I did. I did get a nice succinct list. Um, the permanent gifts include. Now you'll only see it there the permanent gifts at the moment. I haven't. I haven't started on the temporary yet. So the permanent gifts are, are in these two categories: uh, the speaking or the verbal gifts, wisdom, knowledge, prophecy, teaching, exhortations, and then the serving or non-verbal gifts: leadership, helps, giving, mercy, faith, and discernment. And uh, you'll say, hang on a minute. There's more here than there are in 1 Corinthians. That's correct. Because we have... so. Yeah, that's what we've got in 1 Corinthians. Okay, where did did the other ones come from? Well, they came from here. They come from Romans uh, chapter 12. And if you go to Romans chapter 12, let's have a look at that. Romans 12... uh, Verse six to eight. Now we've been through Romans twelve before, a very interesting chapter. But Romans twelve six to eight, uh, six that's right, yes six to eight. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophecy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministries, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. So the other gifts that are in that list come from there. And there is in fact one more, and it's at the bottom. It's evangelism. Evangelism is a gift, and the reason we know that is because it's mentioned in Ephesians 4.11. So uh, let's let's quickly have a look at that one. Ephesians 4.11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So we know that evangelism is a gift as well because the Bible tells us. Now, just before I move on, it's interesting that... Um, uh, the uh, I've missed i missed the I've missed my little my little notes myself, but um, Romans twelve as you re- as you may remember, uh, if you so I've turned the page. If you go back to Romans twelve, in Romans twelve, remember we read Romans twelve. I beseech you in verse one. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, who, who can remember what did we say the Greek word for present could be? Who can remember? Starts with Y. Yield, remember? We looked at that. It was quite a few weeks ago. Maybe it was before the break. But when you present your body to the Lord, which is our reasonable service, we have to to give up some things. We have to yield our bodies to the Lord. And remember we said when we get to be filled with the Spirit, we have to yield ourselves to the convictions of the Holy Spirit. So isn't it interesting that under that context of yielding, we have uh, the, the, uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that they, that they are manifest. Isn't that interesting? As a Christian yields to the, to the um, promptings and to the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Now, one other thing that I thought was interesting, I looked in the uh, Calvary Baptist Church doctrinal statement and I didn't find the uh, permanent gifts listed at all. Um, I thought that was, a, that was interesting. Maybe, maybe we should consider that at some stage because we have the non-permanent gifts listed. But anyway, that's, that's another matter. Okay. What I'm going to do now, and uh, only because I just started uh, on, on this list here. These are the ones... That are, that are mentioned in Romans but I just happen to be in there. So I'm going to start with teaching uh, just for the reason that I happen to be in that spot and, and was interested in, in that and so I'll go down these this, this uh, list first or from here down. We'll probably only get that, we'll get through that today, maybe that one uh, and then we'll move on to the others. So the gift of teaching, now teaching the the word the Greek word for teaching wherever it comes up in um uh the in in Acts in Romans in Colossians in Titus it's always the same the same word it's the same Greek word and we see that the word is used um, describing what the apostles were doing we see the word was used describing what Paul and Barnabas were doing so let's let's go to Acts for example uh, Acts uh, chapter fifteen now, let, let's start Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, 525. Um, then came one and told them, saying... Now, this, the, the apostles had been thrown into jail. If you look at the previous verses, the apostles have been thrown into jail for preaching. Um, and this is the comment that uh, some, of the, some of the people in authority said. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in a temple and teaching the people. So the apostles were teaching. Uh, Paul and Barnabas was teaching in, uh, 15, in chapter 15, verse 35 in, in Acts. Um, in chapter 18, verse 11, Paul was teaching. And in fact, God had confirmed his teaching. It's a good one to look at. Uh, 18. Let's look at 1811. 1811. And he continued there, so the Apostle Paul, he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among among men. Oh, actually... It's confirmed in verse nine. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night, in the night by vision. Be not afraid, of, be not afraid, but speak and behold, and and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he continued Paul there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among men. So it's used there of Paul. And again of Paul in in chapter twenty eight, then in um, in Romans twelve seven, which is what we read just before, the emphasis is a little bit different. Let's have a look at Romans, Romans chapter twelve seven. Romans twelve seven. Romans twelve seven. Okay, so. We're here. Uh, the apostle Paul is describing these ministry gifts. He says, "All ministry. Let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching." So here, Paul is clearly saying, "You know, it's not only for the apostles; it's not only for for Paul; it's for everyone who has the gift." And then, of course, uh, in in Colossians um, three sixteen. Now, this is an interesting one as well. Because here you start to wonder, well, you know, who, who's got the gift, or is this just a responsibility for each one of us? Uh, let's have a look. Colossians three sixteen. Colossians three sixteen. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. In Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. It, it, the, the connotation almost seems to be that we should all be having some degree of a teaching gift to teach one another, to, to, to help one another out. It's the same word. It's the same Greek word as used of the apostles uh, and, and of Paul. Teaching one another. Very interesting. What a responsibility. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, or maybe as we as we admonish and as we sing together and encourage one another, we're teaching with our with our lives. Anyway, but it's a very interesting one. So teaching, the gift of teaching, many times mentioned in Acts. Then the second gift that um, I'll cover is uh, is this. Oh, sorry, there we go, is um, exhortations. Exhortations. Now, the Greek word for exhortations is um, paraclete, as, as the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit comes alongside us. He is the paraclete, as we've seen before, when we look at the, uh, the um, function of the Holy Spirit. So when we exhort, we are paracleting. We are coming alongside um, another Christian to call to one side and it's uh, it's also translated as beseech or comfort exhort they're the most often times that, that that word that that word is used in those three instances the paraclete now this is this comes through in uh, in many verses it comes through in Acts again second Corinthians um, Let's have a look. Let's have a look again at uh, Acts 2:40. Acts 2:40. So back to Acts. Acts 2:40. Here we go. So, um, so this is the Apostle Peter speaking. And he says for the promises unto you and to your children 39 and to all that are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call and with many other words did he testify and exhort saying save yourselves from this untoward generation. So the word exhort is being used many times. Um, it's, it's used uh, of Paul exhorting in, in uh, various verses um, it's used of uh, in First Timothy, where Paul exhorts Timothy, um, and then in verse in Second Timothy, Paul is telling Timothy to exhort others. And in Hebrews three uh, thirteen, again the the, um, the the effect or the usage is wider. So let's turn to Hebrews three thirteen. Okay, so verse 12, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now this exhorting might might be overlapping with the fruits of the Spirit as well. But uh, again, we can see that it's not just for the Apostle Peter, it's not just for Paul, it's for all of us. to to exhort one another. And then uh, in 1 Peter, Peter is exhorting the elders to feed the flock of God. And then in Jude chapter 1, Jude is exhorting the Christians. And we might have a look at that. Um, That was a wonderful study by by Adam when he did that. But let's have a quick look at Jude 1. You can almost miss it. Just before Revelation, Jude 1. Jude three, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, I was, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should be earn, that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. To exhort. And as I said, that comes from the Greek word Paraclete as the Holy Spirit the same the same function we come to the side of someone and encourage them and help them out but as we saw in uh, Hebrews 3:13 the 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 um, the urgency and the recommendation is that all Christians do this to one another so I'm wondering whether we've all got uh, you know a little bit of the gift of exhorting from uh, you know, from the time we were saved. We just need to exercise it, don't we, if it's there. So the commentators, uh, one of the commentators says, unlike the teacher who appeals to the mind, the exhorter takes his brother aside and appeals to his heart. In, in order to console or encourage, exhortation is a specific and highly necessary ministry in the church. Now, I'll pose a question. We've only got a couple of minutes to consider it. How, um, how would you know if you had the gift of exhortation? And it's just something I'm posing. How would you know? Well, I'm suggesting it would have to be out of the ordinary, wouldn't it? It couldn't be, it couldn't be normal because the unsaved can exhort one another, can't they? So what's what's different from what the unsaved would, d- would be doing? It would have to be something special. So, what what would be special about exhortation that the unsaved couldn't do? Anyone want to take a guess? And again, I, it's just it's just m- of Yep, yeah. The unsaved can do yep. other. Correct? Yes. But they have not... Not with a knowledge, yes, that's correct. So that's one but thing that not with, yep, that's true. That's in fact a very good point, yes. I was, I was thinking of something a little bit different. Um, how about if you could exhort people who aren't actually your good friends? You see, the saved will exhort their good friends, won't they? But how about if, if you can exhort those that you that sort of rub you up the wrong way a little bit? Can you, can you exhort someone and, and generally want them to grow in the Christian faith if you're not very happy with them? So I put it to you that if you can do that, I think you definitely have the gift of exhortation. I don't think anybody would, would deny that. Because otherwise, if it's just people you like, if it's just friends, well, the unsaved can do that as well. So I think it's got to be something. It's got to be something, you know, uh, extraordinary. And of course, it must be biblical, as 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 John said. All right, we're at ten twenty, so I think we should finish, and uh, let's pray. Father God, we we thank you for for your provision for our Christian lives. Father, we pray that indeed you would uh, impress upon our hearts what the Holy Spirit has given us. And Lord, I pray that we would each one seek you, seek to yield to your truth and do your will, that we might indeed exhibit the fruits of the Spirit, that we may indeed, Lord, um, show forth Christ. So Father, we pray for your grace and mercy in this regard. We pray, Lord, for ministry that, that will continue this morning. We pray for our brother Joshua as he brings the word that Lord you would uh, guide him, you would bring to his remembrance the things you've taught him. Father, undertake for us in every aspect of the service this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.